0: Now, a lot of these decisions are uh, sort of conscious and you are aware that you're making them and other are almost um, unconscious or they happen in your subconscious. You don't even know that you're you're making the decision. They just happen. Now, the same study that showed that Brits make over 770,000 decisions in their life also showed that the average person regrets something like 17, 18%, almost 20% of the decisions that they make the number was 143 a thousand from memory now if people are making a lot of decisions that they ultimately end up regretting then you can think it would be beneficial to have some kind of a framework at least for the most important decisions in your life you're listening to the growth booth the show focused on achieving lifestyle freedom through online businesses whether you're looking for step-by-step strategies to start building an online business simple game plans to grow your business or proven lifestyle freedom frameworks you are in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the thousands of listeners already in growth mode. Hey, welcome to The Growth Booth. This is episode number 35 where today I want to talk about decision making. Now we make decisions all the time, literally all the time. In fact, a study showed that people in the UK make an average of 770,000 decisions in their life, which works out to be around about 10,000 decisions a year. And I think even that probably comes out on the low side when you consider that we make decisions about the most minute things that we do on a daily basis, like which type of tea should I have? Should I have a cup of uh, Earl Grey tea or a cup of green tea? Uh, And many, many other decisions as well. Now, a lot of these decisions are uh, sort of conscious and you are aware that you're making them and other are almost... Um, unconscious or they happen in your subconscious. You don't even know that you're, you're, you're making the decision. They just happen. Now, the same study that showed that Brits make over 770,000 decisions in their life also showed that the average person regrets something like 17, 18%, almost 20% of the decisions that they make. The number was uh, 143,000 from memory. Now, if people are making a lot of decisions that they ultimately end up regretting, then you can think it would be beneficial to have some kind of a framework, at least for the most important decisions in your life. Now in saying that sometimes you don't know what the most important decision is because a tiny little decision or a tiny little event can go on to have huge repercussions and you may have heard of the butterfly effect of the effect or the theory goes that a butterfly flapping its wings could result in a tornado or a mega storm somewhere else in the world. Now that same effect or that same principle is true in lots of areas in life so When you're making decisions, it's really important that you think it through in a strategic manner. You're not going to think every single decision that you need to make through. But the most important decisions, it would be good to at least have some kind of a framework through which to approach them. And decisions can be influenced by lots and lots of different things. It could be as simple as the time of the day or psychological factors, uh, maybe your perception at a moment in time or an intention that you've got, maybe an emotion or a motivation that you're experiencing or a belief system or cultural or societal uh, patterns or expectations, lifestyle, capacity, capability, and so much more. And as I mentioned earlier, decisions can be conscious or they can be unconscious, they can be uh, small, or they can be absolutely huge, life-changing. And the small choices can really lead to big consequences. I mentioned the butterfly flapping its wings. There's a really interesting study on how this theory came about from a geophysicist from MIT and it's amazing how this guy this scientist came up or recognized the fact that a tiny little uh, almost unmeasurable um, event like a butterfly flapping its wings could result in a significant weather pattern uh, you know months from now or years from now so it, it really is amazing and if you uh, look for Daniel Rothman butterfly effect you'll be able to find uh, an article uh, that he wrote or a summary of uh, what his studies were about and some of the experiments that he did really really mind-blowing stuff especially when you take the idea and apply it to something like your own life or or business now of decisions that we're making today are more complex than they were a couple of years ago. And this is partly to do because there are more stakeholders, there are more uh, options available as well. And this level of complexity is just unsustainable. So what I want to talk about uh, in this show here today is how to navigate uh, important decisions and share a three-step, very pragmatic approach, I think, to making decisions. Now, recently I was faced with the decision of selling a property that I own or keeping it. And the reason I had to make this decision was because I found out that the property had some significant damage. It was no longer a weathertight uh, property. And this is a, a building uh, of which I own an apartment in Auckland in New Zealand. Now, to give you a little bit about the backstory, I bought this property uh, in cash for around about two hundred or $250,000. Um, maybe a decade ago, and if I sell it i would be own, i would end up selling it and making about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars less than what I bought it for so i 'd be able to sell it for fifty maybe seventy five thousand dollars something like that and if I keep it, I will be uh, facing a hefty uh, repair bill of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars so The amount that I stand to lose in selling their property versus, um, you know, what, what I could, what I paid for it is around about $150,000. The repair costs though are around about, uh, the same. Now, you might look at that and think, well, you know, how am I going to approach that? And, the first step is to recognize the gap between where you are now and where you want to be. And this is true for any uh, important decision um, that you may need to make in your life. And this is what I keep coming back to. So in that case, I recognized that where I ultimately wanted to be was to have a property that provided me with passive income that was not a headache, that was going to look after itself and ultimately be a, a hassle-free Uh, investment to give me solid and reliable uh, returns. That was the first thing that I needed to recognize, the gap between where I am today and where I want to be or where I ultimately desire to be in the future. So with that property, there was a clear gap. Right now I'm facing a $150,000 repair bill um, or selling it at a significant loss versus what I bought it for. The second step is to collect information and analyze a problem. So anytime you're facing an important decision, by gathering data, you can help uh, give yourself the tools to uh, then, or not the tools, but the resources to be able to uh, fully analyze it and make sure that you're understanding the different parts of the problem and what the potential implications are, one way or another. So, in my case of this problem, building that I was an owner of property of, or am an owner of property of in uh, Auckland in New Zealand, I spoke to the building manager. I spoke. To, uh, I read through the body corporate minutes, which basically explained uh, the conversations that had been had, the um, analysis that had been done by by experts. I looked into my own experience having owned uh, and continuing to own a, a large number of properties around the world and having experienced uh, things like um, water tightness or just different types of, of problems um, in the past and how those had uh, sort of panned out. And having looked at all of this information and having, you know, looked back in the memory bank as well at how different things have gone in the past what i basically came to the conclusion was that it may cost much much more than $150,000 to fix the problem and it might not be something that could fix in just a few years it could take over a decade so the ramifications of that or the result of that would be that i may end up spending far more money than what is currently being our estimate and i could have this monkey on my back this burden for a long long time uh, so the third step then is to define or think about alternative solutions. So is there something that I'm not seeing here? Is there another way that I could approach this? Maybe uh, it's not just a case of holding on to the property and um, paying the repair bill and waiting for it to get back on track. Maybe there's the option of the entire building being sold Uh, to be demolished and a new building to be built. Uh, That was actually an alternative that I looked at, but I soon realized that the the value of or the cost of demolition would make it very hard for someone to then go and build a brand new building in its place and make a decent profit there. So this is just one example of trying to think outside the box there and looking at um, different potential uh, solutions to the problem. I also looked at, you know, if I did sell, and let's say I was able to sell this for fifty thousand, seventy thousand dollars, or something like that. Uh, given that I would have just sold it for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars less than what I, I purchased it for, how would I use that money? Uh, would I buy another property? I don't think I'd buy another property because that wouldn't give me Uh, much money to buy a property i could leverage that money and buy another property so i could get lending Uh, i currently own this property outright Um, however um, is that going to be the best uh, result for me the stock market at the moment is an interesting point you never know you know if it's going to drop more or shoot back up but um, i'm a long-term player in the stock market so i feel like if i did take any proceeds from a sale and put them in the stock market, they'll probably be in a much better position uh, in a few years' time. And that's ultimately what I think I'll probably do. I'll probably sell the property uh, and certainly right now I can have it listed and see what kind of um, demand there is out there and I might be able to get a quick sale. And if I can do that, then I can quickly put that money into the stock market and uh, focus on having a healthy return versus having a decade of headache and uh, hassle uh, and going back and forth uh, and actually, you know, repairing a building and everything that that, that entails. So we'll see how all of this involves, but I thought it was an interesting story at least to share with you because it's very current uh, in what i'm going through and it's something that you might be able to relate to in your own life or your own business uh, in some degree or scale and there are lots of personal examples that i could uh, share with you as well we can save those for Another day. A quick message now from the sponsor of today's show, which is Float Hosting. If you want to save 50% on your annual hosting, then head over to Float Hosting using the special link, which is thegrowthbooth.com forward slash float. And using that link, you're going to see how you can save 50% over $100 on your annual subscription to the most popular plan at Float Hosting. And because I own Float Hosting, I will make sure that you get well looked after. Now, back to the show. But right now, the important thing is just to think about those three steps I mentioned, which is recognizing the gap between where you are right now and where you want to be to collect information and analyze that information so that you can make a more informed decision and also define alternative solutions. But this is not really uh, where all of this ends because... There is a framework which has been put together by Mark Confer and he's got a TED talk around uh, what this is all about and I really like it because it breaks down the process into a series of steps that you can use uh, yourself and the first step is to challenge the constraints and I like to think about this one as thinking outside the box not just accepting what the constraints are before you jump into a problem is there a way that you can think bigger about this to think differently about this and to come at it from a different angle maybe there is the second lesson is to contemplate failure or to ask yourself and really think hard about this what's the worst that could happen uh, what's the worst that could happen in my case of selling that property? The worst that could happen is I get the cash and I put it into something else. I'm not going to be in debt. Uh, however, the worst that could happen in holding on to the property may be that uh, there's not a $150,000 repair bill. There's a $500,000 repair bill, or, or who knows what? Um, what are my risks? What are my rewards? And and really think that through. Now there's an interesting story that Confer shares in his TEDx talk and you may have heard about this one. It's about the cobra snakes uh, and and the way that the British government dealt with them during the colonization of India. Now what the British government decided to do was to offer a cash bounty for killing these venomous snakes especially in and around the city of Delhi to, to try to reduce the snake population and it was reduced. It started to get reduced until some imaginative people saw a business opportunity and actually started breeding the cobras so that they could get the cash bounty. And the government promptly shut down the scheme uh, when that um, sort of came in, in, into to happening. And the breeders then released the, the cobras that they have been breeding out into the wild. And what ultimately happened was the wild cobra situation ended up so much worse than it originally was. So you might sometimes hear the story or hear of the Cobra Effect, and that's what it was all about. Now, if the British government had spent more time uh, contemplating worst-case scenarios, they may have been able to imagine this one or build uh, some rules around it to make sure that this particular risk was mitigated so that's the second lesson is to contemplate failure and what's the worst that could happen and then the third is to sanity check the basics and sometimes the tiniest details can be things that ultimately result in massive failure or massive success and you may have heard the story about the mars climate orbiter spacecraft and it was a huge failure and the reason it was a huge failure is because some people on the team were using metric uh, measurements and some were using imperial measurements and it sounds so basic that rocket scientists, genuine rocket scientists, math, you know, mathematical mathematical wizards would make such a silly uh, error but they made that error and it ultimately resulted in... Um, The failure of the Mars Climate Orbiter spacecraft. Now, there's a very famous example where I think these three lessons from CONFRA have been used really, really well. We can sort of reverse engineer them after the fact that this has all happened. And you may have heard of a movie, um, I think it's called um, Captain Sully uh, or something, something along those lines. But anyway, in January 2009, an aircraft took off. I think it took off from LaGuardia, New York, but it took off from somewhere in that area. And shortly after takeoff, the plane started making a horrible noise and the pilot uh, wondered what had happened. turns out that he had had struck a a flock of geese and it was causing the engines to shut down. Now, the air traffic controller asked the pilot, which runway do you want to land at? He could land at LaGuardia or he could land at Teterborough. And uh, then the pilot processed uh, the information that he had and ultimately uh, said that he was going to land on the Hudson. Now, the Hudson River is off Midtown uh, Manhattan, and an emergency landing was made in the Hudson because the captain of the plane uh, figured out, in his opinion, he would not make it to the runway. He wasn't high enough to be able to make it to either of the runways that were going to be, that had been offered to him. So he thought that the safest approach was to land on the Hudson River. And he got to this by, first of all, thinking outside uh, the, the box, challenging the constraints. It's not that there are only two places you can land a plane. There are other places. There are two conventional places that were perhaps uh, quite close that he could have potentially, although um, I think later they, they agreed that he probably wouldn't have made it, but could have potentially landed the plane. Uh, but there wasn't just two places. There was actually other places as well, including uh, the Hudson River. The second lesson that he worked to there was the the pre-mortem or considering, you know, what's the worst that could happen and thinking about the viability of actually landing in the water. What are the chances that the plane would actually float uh, and contemplate other, um, you know, uh, results of, of doing that? Would there be other potential failures which would be even worse? And then the third lesson was to check all the basics and this included uh, checking the airspeed and the altitude to ensure that a safe landing on the hudson was possible and then when the plane actually landed in the hudson the pilot uh, walked up and down the aisle to make sure that he was the last one that exited the plane that there were no remaining passengers on board and that ultimately led to 155 people surviving which is probably quite unlikely it could have been absolutely terrible disaster if uh, he had tried to land at one of the other nearby airports but hadn't made it to the airport because then he wouldn't have been landing on a, a, a you know a, a, an open surface it could have been crashing into buildings or, or, or god knows what so I think that's a really great story um, and recaptures really the essence of first of all Challenging the constraints, thinking outside the box. That's step number one or lesson number one. Contemplating failure and asking yourself, you know, what's the worst that could happen here and then sanity checking uh, the basics. So as we wrap this episode up, if you've got something that's overwhelming you or if you feel out of your depth, something that you might want to do in addition to trying to apply some of the lessons that we've been discussing here today is to talk to someone and ideally someone with past experience, but if you don't have someone or you don't know someone with past experience, maybe you can hire help or even if you can't hire help or you don't know someone with past experience, then just the fact of talking about it can bring ideas uh, out into your consciousness. And sometimes I find that uh, when I talk about uh, a challenging situation with someone it helps me process and see the situation in a new light so I think that's a really really easy thing that you can do Um, also sleeping on it so sometimes you know I get hit with oh my god I've got to make this big decision what am I going to do and I start processing uh, all of the information and working through this this framework that we've been discussing here today and then I just go away and sleep on it get some time away and while you're sleeping on on something like this, your brain doesn't just stop working. It gives you a chance to sort of step back and get some clarity. Because sometimes when you're asked to make a decision, you you can sort of imagine that you're in amongst the forest and you you're trying to navigate which way you need to go when the easiest way to navigate would be if you could put yourself above the forest, then you could see the full terrain. And by stepping back a little bit and giving yourself a little bit of space, sometimes that becomes so much easier. And I find that on a personal level, uh, that that certainly works for me. And getting a good night's sleep and then coming at it again in the morning is oftentimes a really, really good uh, way to approach uh, a challenging situation and a challenging problem. So uh, look, I hope you found this um, episode useful today and I hope that it helps you uh, make better decisions in your business and if nothing else, gives you an awareness that we are making literally thousands and thousands of decisions every year, hundreds of thousands of decisions in our lives and sometimes it's the smallest decisions that can have the biggest repercussions. Thanks for listening and I'll see you on the next episode.